Hey, Studio DNA fans. I'm Chad, a new podcast host here on the network. I'd like to invite you to check out my new show called Hot Takeout, where I mix together some of my favorite things, fast food and musical artists. When you listen, you'll get that feeling you have when you get an onion ring in the bottom of your french fries. It's a win. We'll dig deep with the artists. We'll find out what inspires them and what foods they have to stay away from. And we're also playing fast food games, which will also make sense when you listen. So check out the Hot Takeout podcast streaming right now here on the Studio DNA podcast network it is a podcast as contemplative as a rod serling story and as intentional as a jordan peele production it is the middle ground between movies and television between comedy (laughs) and horror and it lies between the pit of a man's expectations and the summit of his excitement. This is the dimension of discussion. It is an area which we call Quality Check Podcast. Welcome back, film and television fans, to the Final time, we're stepping into the Twilight Zone for a little while. You're listening to Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey. And joining me in the fifth dimension, Drew Douglas. How you doing? It's the last time for a little while. This is it. Is it bittersweet? Are you happy that we've reached the end of the rebooted Twilight Zone? My lips are sealed. Ooh. <laughs> we haven't talked about this. I literally watched this episode last night. You saw it two nights ago? Is that right? Um, yeah, a couple days ago. No, no, no. I watched it yesterday. So, so it's we still pretty watched fresh. it at the same time. Yeah, well, we, wa- we watched it around the same time. Hours apart. What's weird is we have not watched any of these together. No. Actually, wait a second. We've watched the recaps, right? We, where we've seen them for a second time together? Or no? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Because I know we had a watch party going on for a while of a different show, and then the Twilight Zone was tacked on to the end of that watch party. So No, I never I've, stayed because I had already seen them. If you've been listening to us for the last few weeks, we have covered Twilight Zone. We normally cover movies. This time we're stepping into the fifth dimension to cover the rebooted TV series Twilight Zone, streaming on CBS All Access. Now, this is season one. We're wrapping up with this and in episode 10 of Blurry Man, in which we will spend the majority of this episode talking about. But season two is coming back. We will make predictions at the end of this episode about what we think will happen in season two. Signpost ahead, spoilers. So turn back now if you have not watched this episode or just fast forward to the point of where we're talking overall thoughts about the series and whether or not you should stream it or skip it. Also, we'll cover Twilight Zone shows that compare to Blurry Man. And there's something, a little love letter I'd like to let CBS know all about. Oh, what is that? Uh, that's a tease. That's all I can say. That's a good tease. I like it. It's a tease. It's a tease for, for me because I really don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, actually, it's something that I threw in. There are two things after watching this episode. I thought, you know, maybe it's a good time to talk about it because I kind of related to this episode on different levels. Not the fact that I lost my mind and just went into the Twilight Zone guided by the hand of the one and only, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. (laughs) Let's now get into Blurry Man. Nobody remembers seeing this guy. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. See? Once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. 
You're a human being. Human beings need rest. They malfunction when they don't get rest. What is the power of a story to write the world to write the world? It's only the most interesting part of the story. The story. He's had a psychotic break. I'm ready to see. Blurry Man tells the story of Sophie Turner, who's a writer and is haunted by a mysterious figure. That's CBS's synopsis for this episode. This was released on May What's 31st. Her, wait, her name is Sophie Turner mm -hmm. as in the actress? Yeah. But what's strange, her name changes later in the episode. If you notice, her name goes from Sophie Turner to Sophie Gilson. This episode was released on May 31st. It has a runtime of 37 minutes 34 seconds. So it's one of the shorter episodes we've received this season. It was written by Alex Rubens, who, if you recall, also wrote The Comedian, the very first episode Ooh. of the series. And a, a, a Peel collaborator. That's right. Rubens has helped Peel and Kenberg, Simon Kenberg, bring The Twilight Zone back to life. And speaking of Simon Kenberg, he is stepping behind the camera as director for the first time. This is his first directing gig. Just a week before his new film, Dark Phoenix, comes out. He did this before Dark Phoenix? The thing to note, too... Dark Phoenix has been in the works for yeah. years. And so. Dark Phoenix technically comes before the Twilight Zone, but they've been reshooting. And did you hear recently about Dark Phoenix? They had to reshoot the ending because it compared too much... It was too similar to another recent superhero film. Uh, rumored to be Captain Marvel, mm -hmm. set in space. Spoiler alert, I guess. Well, I, I don't think it's a spoiler alert because they've talked about this. Openly, But yeah. James McAvoy said it was originally the conclusion was set in space. And now the conclusion is set on a train. On a train. So I don't know. <laughs> That's was, a pretty drastic change. Yeah, I, I was really hoping that... He would, McAvoy would just come out and say, yeah, this was a pretty bad movie. It was bad. It there, does not look good. I mean, I got out of <laughs> basic loyalty to this franchise, which has been pretty up and down. I will see it this weekend. But I'm going to use, a, I have a coupon from Fandango to probably see this for maybe two bucks, <laughs> which is probably about what it's worth. So far, the reception to this film has been very lukewarm, to and say this the least. Is, this is it for the X-Men and Fox. Mm -hmm. When we see these characters again, it's going to be years down the road in the MCU. Which, probably done a lot better, I would imagine. Yeah, which speaking of, I'm wondering how soon we'll end up getting the X-Men in the Marvel Universe. Probably not for the next five years, I would say, it would, right? It'll take a while. But yeah. there's this trend, I think we've talked about it before, where they get young filmmakers on the cheap mm -hmm. um, to do these huge projects without basically doing anything prior. It happened with uh, Colin Trevorrow in Jurassic World. Sure. And Kinberg, is, he, he was involved in all of these movies these X-Men movies and, you know, the Fox comic properties. But his first project was Dark Phoenix. But this is the Twilight Zone, Blurry Man, is the kind of stuff you need to be doing first. Yeah. And you work your way up. And with the Twilight Zone, it's interesting to see how Kenberg has been involved and also hearing some of his commentary. I've watched a lot of the behind the scenes for this rebooted series. Have you seen that? On, I know on CBS All Access on the app, it gives you 
clips. Just pretty much they drop one or two in between episodes. And I've tried to see almost all of them. There are, there are just a few out there that I haven't seen. but Like an episode recap? It, a little bit of that, but it, it dives more into the behind the scenes of what it took to bring the series to life. Mm. And some episodes, but some of it's just an overall view on, hey, this is the Twilight Zone. This is what it means to us. This is why how we're making it different. Kimberg and Peel spoke a lot in the very beginning. And then after the series started and we got a few episodes and Kenberg did a lot of the speaking. He's not green to Hollywood, but he is to directing. So it's interesting to see that he was able to do an X-Men film. And from all accounts, it doesn't sound like it went very well. Sadly, no. So we're going to find out. And that's how this franchise is ending on Fox terms. I don't think. I mean, at this point, you you make the amount of money that you can, but it doesn't matter because you're not setting anything up. It's like, who cares? That's why New Mutants has been pushed back like four times. It's now coming out next year. It's supposed to come out like last fall. And why just release it? Why they're doing like the fourth set of reshoots? Just release it on on Hulu or something. Anytime a movie does that, I lose a lot of interest. And I would assume it just loses so much st- steam that... You have to be losing a lot of money. Yeah, I, it actually piques too. my interest. Of why it keeps going through these reshoots? To to want to see it. Okay. Because I'm just like, what is this going to end up being? Um, I have really no interest in that movie, period. But it doesn't sound like it's going to be anywhere. Because it was set out to be like this horror film set in the X-Men universe. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get that anymore. That's pretty cool. I like that idea. And... There's a Stephen King novel that may come out before New Mutants, and his novel, I think it's coming out in September, and it's basically the same thing as New Mutants. But at this point, whenever King's novel comes out, they're like, oh, wow, this is great. New New Mutants will come out, and they're like, oh, wow, this stole from Stephen King. What is that book called? I can't remember. I want to say it's like one word, but it's the something. It's like the apprenticeship or... Something like that. But it's basically a school of kids with it's, powers. Yeah, it's like excellent. You, I mean, everyone knows we love Stephen King. The premise for that does not sound very good to me. It just sounds like, like something we've seen before. That's the next King novel? Yeah. And I was a huge fan of The Outsider, but that's coming to HBO. We're starting to get little teases of that. And I think that it will actually translate to television well if it has a beginning and an end. The photos and just some video, I'd say like five seconds of the video, uh, the footage of that that we've seen so far. HBO released a trailer of upcoming projects. We see Jason Bateman, Ben Didn't Mendelsohn. Know he was in it. Didn't know he Ooh, was in it. Give me some Ben Mendelsohn. Any cast. Uh, I'm in. I, I just don't want an under the dome scenario. Yeah, that was a bummer. Where it's we set out to do it, and even in that first season, they were like, "No, this is one one season," and then CBS. They realized, I guess realized they had a hit. They did, yeah. And kept it going, and that was just the worst possible idea. I started tanking after season two, then it ended in season three. I didn't even finish season two. I they, didn't even start. I watched all of season one, and that's actually, believe it or not, I think we talked about this briefly. That was my first time dipping my toes into the podcasting Yeah, I, I want to go back and listen to those. I don't know if it's online anymore. I've got them all saved on my computer. You but should... Um, We'll start a Patreon, and then if you donate, <laughs> you can get access to these old episodes. Pay for it. But, but uh, Under the Dome has Junior. He's one of my absolute favorite Stephen King villains, sure. and he is neutered in that show. Yeah. I he heard that from so many people that he was watered down. But he's so good in the book. I, I don't know. It happens. It is, I, I'm not worried. 
about that with HBO because they can, I think they can stay um, accurate with what the book was. Well, and speaking along the lines of Stephen King and CBS All Access, The Stand is supposed to be coming out on CBS All Access. I'm excited for that. Hopefully, we'll get some photos of how that production is going soon. And honestly, call out to CBS. If you could send us some of those episodes when they first come out, we'd gladly watch those and let you know what we think. We'd love to do that. I'll do it for free. Me too. (laughs) All right, so jumping back into Blurry Man, let's get into the actors who are taking us through this journey of the season one finale. First up, my girl Zazie Beetz. Oh, boy. You heard... Before, as you know, we were leading up to this episode, I kept saying that I'm so pumped to see her. For those of you who don't know Zazie, she is a main star in Atlanta. She played Domino and Deadpool 2, and she will soon be starring alongside Walking Phoenix in Joker. Ooh, cannot wait. Also, we have Seth Rogen. Very minimal role in this. Seth yeah, Rogen is in this for like three minutes. Three max. minutes. And we talked about this, and actually we've complained about the previews for this not being good. I think <laughs> this might be the best preview because it had us – we didn't know what we were going to get. No. And, and what the episode is is in no way what I expected because of this preview. That was actually one of the best things about it because – We made some predictions. We will get into that. We were very close to a few of those, but they were just reversed. Not really. (laughs) We we questioned. We didn't know who was the lead. Is it Seth? Is it Zazie? And we thought it would be Seth. This is the Zazie show. Most of these episodes are, it's just follow one person around. Or at least that's been the trend in the last couple. And this is uh, her time to shine. I like Zazie. Not as much as you. I like Zazie as an actress. You're obsessed with her as a human being. Well, that and also as an actress. I loved her going back to speaking on Atlanta. When I first saw her, that's whenever she was standing out to me. Yeah. She was phenomenal. I'd never seen her before that. And then she shows up and I'm like, Ooh, who's this? She, in my opinion, stole the scene every time she was on camera. She's great. And then there is an episode that is all her yeah. in Atlanta. And it's probably maybe the best one of the season. I would agree. Uh, you were very excited. I was excited yes. for her and... You know I love Seth Rogen. I was I was mostly excited for Zazie, and Seth is, was a bonus. He's a little bonus, and he is just Seth Rogen in this. Yeah, and truthfully, the way it played out, I was happy it played out that way because perfect dose. I like some Seth Rogen. It was interesting, though. Whenever the cast was revealed, Seth Rogen was announced very late in the game. Makes sense now. Yeah, and with his role being as small as what it is in this, now we understand why. If you're unfamiliar with Seth, I don't know who would be unfamiliar with him. Where have you been the last, what, 20 years? We last saw him in Longshot, and you just saw that recently, right? last weekend, and I liked it a lot. I thought it was okay. I would say it's a definition of a rental. I don't know. I really liked it. I mean, it's it's way it feels way longer than it actually is. It felt like sure. it was about two and a half hours long, and it's I think under two. Now there are some great bits in there. I really like the beginning with Seth. Lastly, I wanted to bring up Betty Gabriel. As soon as she walked in, I'm like I feel like I haven't seen her in for in since basically Get Out, and that was the last Jordan Peele production she worked on with is him. She in us, I, I don't think don't she is. recall her. Be- and I also while researching this, unless she plays in uncredited no. star but yeah she so she, she was did. in get out she showed up and i didn't know i was like i know i know you're from somewhere where are you from she i was floored i stopped and i i almost if i was in control of the remote i would have paused it because 
my heart for some reason just like skipped. I'm like, wait a second. What if Joran tries to take an approach on connecting the Twilight Zone and his other no, work? We're not doing that. We I do thought there's a possibility. It's also Betty is from the Purge election year and also from Westworld. You need Pur- to get into that, right? I need to. I I watched some of season one stopped. I was like, I can't take this anymore. And I like Jonathan Nolan. And Jeffrey Wright is good, even though he whispers 98% of the time. Um, But Aaron Paul is in season three. And I'm like, I have to to catch up on this. The trailer just dropped for season three. Yeah. And then I've seen all the Purge movies minus election year. So I Hmm. I don't know. I actually really liked election year. Let's get into our thoughts with starting with fill in the blank. Blurry Man is fill in the blank. Blurry Man is an ambitious and satisfying end to season one. All right. Well, now I know how you feel about it. Blurry Man is a meta Jordan Peele Twilight Zone episode I've been expecting all season. I love that we got some meta. I felt like I was watching a Kevin Williamson, some sort of like scream. Sure. And you know how much I love scream. Now, if it's overdone, for example, like Deadpool, Zazie, yes. she's in Deadpool 2. In my opinion, that is just so overdone Absolutely. that uh, it's uh, it's too much for me. And I was worried while watching this site that, okay, I like this, but I'm worried it's going to just derail and go crazy, which it kind of does in its own way. It doesn't do it in a silly way, though. Yeah. There are silly elements where we, the Jordan Peele, well, this is the other thing. We list three cast members. Jordan Peele is, uh, he's, he, he's in this a lot. He would honestly be in this more than Seth Rogen. He's probably, yeah, he is the second main character for sure. this. Even though he is a co-star mm-hmm yeah which is great well and so that also speaks on behalf of an old twilight zone episode that i'd mentioned in our last podcast episode and it they they kind of do that with this it's once again kind of reworking it reimagining it for this rebooted series but they definitely kind of follow some of the beats or some of the inspiration which i found that to be interesting they followed the Zazie beats. Loves. You bring her up, I'm just going to deviate all the time and talk about how much I love her. I, I mean, I know. Every time I mention her, I know what I'm going to get with you. Ooh, I'm and going, it's pants off, shirt off. And I'm just going, my face will go completely red and I'll start sweating. I want to get into this. We were talking before recording. The Peel intro, kind of difficult here. There but, really isn't one. Because, yeah, it, it starts off and then we have a fake out. We break the fourth wall and realize, oh, wow, this is all just a production. And later, maybe two minutes after that, we end up having another one where Sophie, played by Zazie, she is writing the intro. She's trying to come up with this because Zazie's character, ever since a child, dreamed of working on The Twilight Zone. I 100% relate to that. As a kid watching these episodes, I thought, man, if they ever brought back the Twilight Zone, if I ever had an ability to work on a Twilight Zone episode, just one, I'd love it. That would be a life goal. So her watching that uh, definitely struck some feels for me. But her character is finally working on her own version with Jordan. He's addressed in this as Jordan Peele, not narrator or anyone else. JP. They call him, yeah, they say, hey, Jay. She goes, she's like, I'll have that, the, you know, the new uh, intro written for you, JP. And I, I wanted to because they make him, he's kind of a douche in this. He's kind of, yeah. He's an elevated Jordan Peele. Yeah. And 
Which was fun. It's great. He's kind of a turd, and I expected <laughs> almost him to be like, don't call me that. But yeah. they didn't do it. I was like, that would have been kind of a nice little, like, don't do that. You mentioned in one of the episodes that we may end up seeing Key. I thought this could have been a prime moment where Key runs out and he ends up saying something. He's like, you know what? I'm done with you. And then they <laughs> move on. But let's get into the first intro. It happens at 3 minutes, 51 seconds in. When we think this is a story taking place and highlighting Seth Rogen's character. Here we go. Witness Adam Wigman, a writer who up until tonight has never paid much mind to the idea that art is social responsibility. He's about to learn that there's more to art than entertainment. He's about to, you know what? I think we can beat this. And that's when Jordan Peele goes off and addresses Sophie and the rest of the cast and says, He's not happy with this intro. We need to do better. Which is something you and I have complained about several times, which is instantly we're watching this going, oh, they're addressing everything that we've been saying for the last nine episodes. Immediate thoughts. Cop-out move or brilliant? Uh, Maybe a bit of both, but I think it's because when you make this, you have no idea what the reaction is to the previous nine. Sure. And I think they knew with some of these episodes – what they were doing and the backlash they would get. Well, and it's even addressed. Sophie, the character, addresses, you know, don't you think this is a little too on the nose? Aren't we saying certain things that may be a little upsetting? And then she also asks a question, which I think is really fascinating, where the story offers you two options. And JP says, well, why can't someone choose both? Why is that not an ability of comparing you've basically got one choice to make or the other why not allow the viewer to say i want both or i want none kind of like in blue scorpion what we ended up seeing i really like the way they ended up handle handling that and the storytelling mechanics but then while they're discussing that in the intro we jump back to jordan peele as the narrator delivering the second intro and here it is Picture, if you will, a storyteller finally getting to tell the story of a lifetime, except the story is one of inexplicable terror, and the lifetime is her own. He chuckles and continues. Her name is Sophie Gleason, and she has little patience for childhood diversions or daydreams, but she won't be able to tune out or turn away from what lurks blurring in the background of her own show. She's about to learn that when blurry comes to focus... There can be no escape from the fate laid out for her by the Twilight Zone. (laughs) That's a long one. Not as long as the outro. The outro, yeah, we'll get to that in a moment because I do have a question about the outro. Overall thoughts on this episode without getting into the grade. I really liked some of the, we talked about the meta-ness of this, but we end up having art versus reality. This idea of blurring literally when you become obsessed with something This episode, I think, was the best way they could end. One thing I've been seeing tossed around is this is the best episode of the season. And it's one of the best of the entire series. Yay or nay. We'll get Um, into rankings in a moment of the entire first season. We'll lay those out. Um, So maybe we'll just do in the pantheon of... The Twilight Zone itself. Is this one of the best we've ever seen? Certain people think that this is one of the best of all time. No, it's not. I don't think so either. No. I think that it's good. This is interesting because I really like this for a lot of reasons that I can also understand why someone who wouldn't like it. Because this doesn't really work if 
you don't have this at the end of nine episodes. Yeah, but it makes, I think, it makes some of those previous nine episodes a little stronger because I feel like there is a thread from point A to point B, from beginning to end. And this does something at the end, the big reveal makes you go back and go, oh, this was actually, from the beginning, this was plotted out. I know in the beginning when we were talking about that, you were worried about them relying too much on that. Did this kind of toe the line too much? This was good. I don't need something explaining everything from the first nine episodes. But Mm. when you have something that is an Easter egg hidden in every episode, and that thread happens to be what started this whole thing way back in whenever the Twilight Zone started, I think that's great. I think that's really smart. Was this the Easter egg you were expecting? No. Because the entire time you know the big reveal is going to be what is Blurry Man? Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, that blurry man is Rod Serling, Ooh. the thing that's been haunting this entire series. Because all's, from episode one, we have been struggling with, is this as good as what Serling did? Sure. And is this saying and doing the same things that Serling did, which is, let's tell something entertaining and let's have it mean something. Yeah. And that's haunted this entire show. Whether you want to admit it or not, we can find things that we love and didn't like in it. But at the end of the day, we're constantly going to compare to what Serling did. Sure. So it's such a smart way to end the season with the blurry man being Serling himself. I didn't expect it. I actually thought it would be Peel, which wouldn't, it's not the impact though, because Mm -hmm. Peel is only taking something that has been Mm -hmm. well-established for decades. So having it be Serling is um, a really smart move. And it's only a, I guess it can only be done if he has the blessing or if they have the blessing of Sterling's family, which they do. Mm-hmm. So not that that means anything, but it is, it's just kind of not something I expected. And when he comes into focus, it was something where I was shocked yet. I was like, that makes complete sense. Sure. So to answer your question, no, I don't have a problem with it because it's such a small thread through all of these episodes. I've been thinking a lot about, as I said, this makes sense to do it at the end of the entire season, but I'd like to go back and rewatch it later and watch it out of order and watch this first and then go backwards. I, I, I think this still stands on its own. It can, absolutely. Because what you can say is, oh, it, it might not, it just means more because of the fact that it comes late. But I think it itself can... Like, you cannot watch these. Actually, I don't know. Actually, now that I think about it, if I'm pitching this to somebody, um, it, I think it helps to have seen it's the like Twilight Zone overall. A, yeah. If you've seen the Twilight overall Zone. and the season. It's like walking into an MCU. It's like yeah. uh, with Endgame. There are so many Easter eggs and callbacks that sure. for fans that have been stuck with it, it's a wonderful experience. And you can still enjoy that movie and have not seen all 23, 24 movies. But when you do, when you sit down and um, soak all those in, Endgame means more to you. And that's a good way to compare it because I think being a fan a fan of the Twilight Zone series, I think old fans will really like this. Fans of the OG series, um, it's really interesting what they do because they acknowledge two things. One, kind of it's it's not as, as pre- prevalent, but the lightheartedness of the Twilight Zone, where it's serious, but not too serious. 
like we have JP or Jordan Peele being a little goofy and he's not exactly, you know, he, he's a character of himself. The other thing is, where is the line between reality and the Twilight Zone? And that's what Sophie's interested in learning. And that's where the blurry man comes in. And I think that really stands out. I think it gives a boost to this season's episodes a lot more than the the past. Other oh, than yeah. we just the idea that Jordan Peele and company have been trying to honor the, those original episodes, which is how I think it, it kind of gives those a little boost too. It's just like we're trying. Sure. We're doing our own thing, but we are trying to honor what came before us. I don't know if they're going to get a new audience with this, but it's almost, in my mind, do they wait too late to have this to attract those older Twilight Zone fans? I think at this point, you you know your audience. And if you can get more, that's great. If you can't, that's all right. Because mm-hmm. it's been renewed. I think this also feels... Um, it, it addresses the controversies of season one, even though I don't, there's no way they could have known. True. I think you have an idea. Maybe some of these are going to ruffle feathers. Sure. This, by the end of this, this almost feels like a soft reboot. It's just it like does. looking forward to season two. We kind of got some of these things out of the way. We got the kinks and next season, um, we're going to still try to have meaning in entertainment, but maybe we'll tone that down. That's well, kind of the impression I got. I'll ask you right now, going off of what you just said, does it make you more excited for season two? Yeah. These last two episodes really have gotten me um, excited for what's to come. It's a nice as what is often referred to in TV. It's known as the hammock effect where we start out, even though the comedian wasn't great, it ended up not being at the bottom of the list, but we have nightmare and we have some of the episodes in the middle to end and they dip and then at the end we come back. But I would almost refer to the entire season one as a roller coaster ride where we have some good, bad, good, bad, 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 really good. Well, that's like with anything. Rarely is is there a series or a season of TV that from beginning to end is good. Even in the greatest seasons, you're going to have a lull. Now... Um, now, we were talking about whether or not this ended up being one of the greatest episodes of all time. I would love to reapproach that question a few years later. I know that sounds like kind of a, an answer that I'm not giving you an answer to, but I would like to retrospectively look a- upon that because I can tell you that having that, my jaw dropped whenever it was revealed that Rod Serling was on camera. And I will say watching on a big screen TV on full high res, the first image of Serling did not look that great. It's and it super didn't, distracting. And did not sound very good. The best part is whenever we see this camera slowly pans in at the end of him and we don't actually see him talking and we hear the voiceover. That's whenever it gets good. And that actually made me wonder about the intro or the outro is the outro. Was it a previous? Um, That's Twilight what I'm zone? wondering because it sounded better. But yeah, I, I agree. the 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 shock of seeing Sterling was one thing, and then you're uh, we'll get into good and the bad. But it, it it took me out of it. I went looking to see if the outro was another episode. Couldn't find it. I couldn't find it either. Uh, going back to greatest of all time. 
I don't think you can accurately answer that until 15 to 20 years down the line. It's too early to say. True. But I think, um, I, I just don't think so. It's hard. I mean, it's I, so limited to this specific yeah. season of Twilight Zone that I don't think you can say that. Did you like when it switched from color to black and white? Yeah, that was pretty uh, effective. I thought that was just, in general, really cool. Let's Which not- you can watch, I believe, at this point, all of these episodes in black and white mm-hmm. on the CBS All Access app. And, and that's where, basically, I wonder if CBS, they announced, like, was it three weeks ago that they were switching all of the episodes to black and white? So I'm curious if they obviously knew this episode was going to be, the end of it was going to be in black and white. And that was a good transition period to say, you know what? All of these will now go to black and white. Because it's more or less, we're finding this line of what is the new Twilight Zone, what's the old Twilight Zone, and what takes us there. And the commonality is Rod Serling. Because throughout the entire series, we're comparing all of this to Rod Serling and his work. How can you not? I mean, the man created this. He created a masterpiece. And then at the end... We, we have him literally guiding us by hand through the Twilight Zone. Let's get into good. Three things or less. I have a lot of really good things to say about this. I found it a little difficult to narrow it down to three things. What are your three things, though? Do you have three things? I assume you got three things. I don't have three specifically because I think just overall, I really like the episode. Um... I we kind of talked about this before. I love how meta this is because, mm-hmm. and you mentioned this, when done right, it's a pretty effective storytelling device. And I, I always like an exaggerated version of someone playing themselves. In this case, it's Jordan Peele, and he's kind of a douche. He kind <laughs> of uh, Sophie's talking about Adam Wigman, the main character, and he just kind of like fluffs her off yep. about the last name. It's like irrelevant to him. Yeah. Which like, is, we know that's not the case. Like Peel is really going to want to know the last name of a yeah. character. Yeah. So it's fun that they played off that. And I love the, it's a silly gag, but it's just him wanting popcorn the entire time. Yeah. So he keeps digging into multiple bags. There is a humor to this episode that we haven't gotten this season a and, lot. And that's where, in the original series, it was very apparent. There's this almost dark humor. And, I mean, we got some of that, but in the original series, we had a lot of those Serlingisms that I would call them, where it's very serious, but at the same time, it would not take itself serious all the time. It would cut away to something that was like, wait, what? This this doll is really what? Or this person is doing what again? And it's this kind of this undercut. A good example is for the episode, The Fever, an original episode where this man is haunted by gambling, deals with a great subject matter, but it's in such a goofy way. And without spoiling that, the big reveal at the end is treated as like a comedy. Mm -hmm. And the series has always been known for dealing with these heavy issues, but also saying, you know what, let's take a step back, realize that we're not all 100% serious and realize that there's more as what the outro and the re- the intro kind of gets at a little bit. There's a little bit more to art than just this entertainment factor. Um, while it's giving these social commentary, you're also having something that you're able to laugh at and yeah. enjoy yourself every once in a while. Like Serling in these new episodes lurking in the background, the 
the humor's there, but also the social meeting is is in all those old episodes. And I like that Sophie, we go back to her and she's a child watching these. And yep. it, it was those episodes that had something to say. But a very young girl that's six years old could watch it with her folks and they can both take something out of mm-hmm. it, which is great. Uh, and then I just think it's overall, it's a good payoff to the up and down season that we've mm-hmm. had because Serling, or at least the Blurry Man, is lurking in every one of these episodes. And if you go back and watch all nine of these episodes, we you mentioned it, you keep seeing this person in the suit. Who is this person? Is it mm-hmm. like um, the Fringe character? There's characters in Fringe mm-hmm. that do that. And... This now we know what this is, and it's such a great payoff because you notice it, but you kind of. Um, I didn't notice this in every episode. Not in every episode, but I noticed it. The first time I noticed was in replay, so that's episode three. But now we know it is in every episode. Yeah, it's spotted in everyone. I just think ultimately this episode, despite some faults, is a really good payoff to what we've. Oh yeah, what we've had all season. Agree. I mentioned earlier about how this episode really kind of hit me in the feels. I related to Sophie's character because as a kid, Twilight Zone is what really set this pinnacle storytelling for me, not just of like watching stories, but I wrote a lot of short stories. Without the Twilight Zone, a lot of inspiration for me, it just wouldn't be there. I Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of artists could end up looking back and, and saying how much they benefited from the Twilight Zone. I mean, or he, anything. Her parents want her to go outside and she would rather stay in and watch this, but this is what shapes her life. Yeah. It's what inspires her to do what she does. And uh, I, I think that's a good, a good thing it brings up is that, you know, they say TV can rot your brain, which, you know, maybe there's something <laughs> to it. Kids need, need to learn. Um, how to be social and interact, but there is something important to watching entertainment and what you can what you can learn and how that shapes you for who you're going to be. Because I know growing up, we watched a lot of TV and movies. We got outside. We had to do all that stuff too. But that shaped what I like today and what mm-hmm. I like to do today. And it's part of the reason we do this. We just think it's fun to talk about pop culture. Sure. So it's just one of those. I, mean, I like the idea that it, it addresses kind of the art versus. Uh, entertainment thing and then maybe goes a little deeper about how it shapes a human being and that is my second point the duality the dual meaning the multi-layered structure of this episode is exactly what i was expecting from a jordan peele twilight zone episode where you can go back and you can look at art versus reality or obsession versus passion and you break these down and you're able to strip it away and say you know it's not that easy to answer a lot of this it's more complex than a as peel was saying at this a choice of this or that sometimes it's a mix sometimes you don't take either of those maybe it's something totally different but that's where the twilight zone succeeds that's where this episode succeeds. And I think they finally nailed, they stuck the landing of the series in this episode. I love that. And that's where, you know, I think I'm really curious if Jordan Peele had a lot of influence on this episode because it definitely seems like his fingerprints were all over this. And lastly, I have to say that Serling being revealed as the gatekeeper of the Twilight Zone, the one who introduces us to a story to take us through when we escape reality and go into the Twilight Zone. That's awesome. I love it. That, I think, 
is going to be something that will stick with me for a very long time because ever since watching this episode, that has been in my mind. And he's Blurry Man, which at the end of this, we'll end up breaking down each of those Blurry Man moments where the Blurry Man actually appears in all these episodes. No, he's not Blurry Man. No. There he's are just few, Suit Man. There, <laughs> exactly. There man are a few times... Suit. There are a few times that he's blurry in in some of those scenes, but he moves so fast because he's Serling. He's the ghost of Rod Serling. That's what are your great. bad I things? Well, one of the bad, one of the worst things I think is CG Serling. Yep, it's a great idea. Um, the voice is shaky. I think when we see him in the very beginning, and uh, you have the uncanny valley face mm-hmm. scenario going, a little hokey. Which is why you know you do it in black and white. It helps mm. you know soften mm-hmm. it a little bit. Uh, but I found that actually so distracting that I had to go back and rewatch when he enters because I had no idea what he was saying. I was like, what? One, I was just like, whoa, this is Sterling. And then two, I was so distracted I didn't wasn't even paying attention yeah. to what he said. Uh, I think this kind of falls into the point of origin trap for me where it sets up an interesting story mm-hmm. and then it's a character running around for 25 minutes. Mm. Um, yeah, it definitely kind of falls back on the trope of horror in that case of just like trying to escape and just run, 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 run. And yeah. then she's running around empty sets, blurry man's after her. And blurry man's actually pretty ominous and creepy. Yeah. Um, but what blurry man proceeds to do to Zazie is basically creep her out, throw alcohol at her, and books at her. <laughs> That's not like all it does. I was just like... And then show off all the Easter eggs of the entire series. So that was just kind of a letdown. Not that it was, you know, Serling, but why was Serling throwing alcohol at her? <laughs> or books, yeah. Like, it was just maybe to kind of ratchet up the tension for the audience, but like... Sterling didn't. He wouldn't do that. Well, and that's the other thing. To what degree is he going to literally torture and, and torment this character? Until she gets it. I don't know. That does, Yeah. Uh, that doesn't make sense. And the, the, it was kind of a, a WTF ending for me. Uh, I, I get much. the gist of it. It's like art versus entertainment. We've talked about this. But the ending still manages to feel muddy in its mm. intentions to me. Like I still at some points were just like – What's happening? Which is fine. But I was a little confused on... I, I, I get it, but I was still a little confused. The episode did not look as good as other episodes in this series. Like the actual camera work? Kind of surprised by that. Well, that's a little limited in oh. its scope. But I think I think um, Kinberg, Kinberg actually does some fun stuff with sets and the way they move and how mm. you can move a background out and it suddenly... Uh, a room like a bedroom with sure. a huge lot in the background, and I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was well shot, actually. It was. I, there were a lot of shots in this that I was. I want to say it. It looked bad by any means, but it just didn't look to the quality. Even like say Point of Origin did not like that episode. It was shot wonderfully, and even Not All Men. There there are certain standout scenes. See, I can think Not All Men looked that good. There are se- now there are scenes. I won't say yeah. that the entire there thing. There are but, moments in that that yeah. are good. But this I and I maybe it was where I was so in, entranced by the actual story itself that I was thinking more along the lines of that, and I was just also really distracted because Zazi was on screen. Yeah, so, I, I don't think it's maybe up to part and I always go we talk about this a lot. The comedian is shot so well. Nightmare yeah. is shot really well. This I think does a I think he does a pretty good job of, you know, we weave around the uh, the set with Zazie's. She's following mm-hmm. JP around. 
there were moments I, I mean I thought it looked fine it's not it didn't blow me away it's not like a Larry Fong oh. DP <laughs> but uh that's a little inside joke I don't know it's, why I said yeah. <laughs> I, I really liked Larry Fong we were talking about um Kong Skull Island and the work he's done on Snyder movies but Loves. yeah no I, I I think it was fine this is what he needs to be doing, though, before you hand him the yep. the keys to X-Men. <laughs> what are we doing? Does this make you more excited for Dark Phoenix? No. It's going to be – it's going because he did that before this. Sure, yeah. And I granted, it's a, a team effort, so there's a lot of people. I don't know who is the DP on Dark Phoenix. It could look fantastic. I'm assuming it's probably uh, not Larry Fong, though. That would be great if it's Jordan Peele. <laughs> <laughs> JP's never done that. Yeah, no. JP. Unless he goes by JP, that would be great. At the end of this episode, Sophie Turner basically gives herself into the blurry man and her reality becomes blurred with the fiction that she's writing. The blurry man finally reveals himself as Rod Serling, who then takes her into the Twilight Zone. We're set up by Serling talking to her. And that's where this is where I think Serling didn't look so great. And the sound was definitely off. I watched it multiple times. And there was something off about the voice. So it was just a little shaky. You can't – when you do this, whether it's bringing back a dead actor in Star Wars, the, the eyes are dead. Sure. You can't recapture a, an actual human being. Yeah. And then, yeah, the mouth is always an issue too. Mm-hmm. They and, pulled the Justice League. And this – it looked better than Henry Cavill. I'll say that. Um, and par- part of that is budgetary. And part of it is just we're not there yet, you know, with technology. Yeah. Because even in the Star Wars movies – I can't. Who's the actor that passed away years ago? But they brought him back in like, oh right, um, Force Awakens or whatever. Yeah, and uh, or no, I think it was uh, Rogue One. But it's just there's something off. Mm-hmm. You can tell this is not an actual person. Now, when he's not talking, he's standing there, and it was the last pan in. That looked good. I like that. But once again, he's not talking during that, and his voice. I think it's covered up a little bit. But. For that, we originally hear, these are his words, and I wrote down all of what Serling said. We first hear him, and he says, I take it I have your attention. Good. There's a lot to explain. Wait. Where? What is this place? I think you know where we are. It's where you belong. You're ready now, Sophie. We've got a lot of work to do. And then we get into the official Serling outro. Not Peel outro. Serling outro. And this is where I think he sounded the best during this voiceover. What do we do when our world is turned upside down? When everything we thought to be true is ripped away? And we're forced to face a new reality? Sophie Gilson has just awoken to the fact that when we put away childish things, we may be closing our eyes instead of opening them. And that perhaps our only hope is to face all reality. A multitude of truths not shrinking from that vital, arrogant, fatal, dominant X beyond imagination, but to embrace it. To open ourselves to the unknown, not the end of the story but a new beginning for the Twilight Zone. Soft reboot. I really like that outro. That sounded like an actual Serling outro. So I think, as you were saying, I felt like 
this was something he wrote and what he said on camera. It's good. It felt good enough to where it made me think that this was previously done and they had found a way to connect it once again with the past. Totally fooled me. We can't figure it out, though. I don't, no, I'm I, pretty sure it's the same voice that was the recreation of Serling. After this, I'm going back and re-watching all of the Twilight Zone series with Serling. And I'm going to find, <laughs> if I can, it may take me a while. It's going to take you a long time. I'm wondering if they took pieces of other outros and they pieced so. it together. It sounded too natural. It did, yeah. It, it's, the, it's the voice. Yeah. It, it, was the, it was whoever stepped in to do this i don't even i don't know if that i think that was probably uh bill Hader or something that oh, came in that would have been great i wrote i should have written that down but they had three people they had the face of serling the body of serling the voice of serling yeah i was listed in the credits one thing i do love is when you look at screen grabs of serling in all of these past episodes where he's hidden and i know we're going to talk about this in some of them, he is smoking because he was yep. a chain smoker. Yes. He wasn't part of the band, but he actually smoked in real life. I Maybe he started Chain Smokers and then he, it was his side project, his side hustle. He's like, yeah, I'll come back to that. Which is funny because Chain Smokers have a song called Blurry Face, and that's all Ooh. I can think of and all I can call this episode because I keep getting it confused. You walked in before recording singing and dancing to that song. I mean, I don't know if I was dancing. <laughs> that's keeping rhythm. We have predictions for Blurry Man. We and did. We had, I had three that all failed. All five, So we had five total. Hit us with your first one. 51 minutes. Big fat no. Ooh. Are you glad that it was this short? Uh, I was surprised. And I'm, you know, this with the credits and with, it had like a 30 or a minute long teaser at the beginning for some other show. So it was, it was maybe 34 minutes. Mm-hmm. Real quick. Uh, smart move on their part. Yes. These all need to be thirty-four minutes. Well, especially with the Let's running just say around. Thirty minutes, and yes, it goes. It's it's a lot of just uh, let's do a long Soderbergh chase or something. Oh, insane! They pulled an insane. Uh, second prediction that you and I made: Seth Rogen smokes a joint and or is high. I'd say he's high, but we never, we never actually. But we see don't that. know that. Yeah, we just assume because he is Seth Rogen. <laughs> so maybe that could be like, uh, well, we'll say two hundred fifty points for that. Okay, because it's kind of, yeah, it's just assumed, almost there. And then I predicted that this would be a take on Slenderman, and it was in no way, shape, or form no. a take on Slenderman. No, Slendy. The fourth prediction: Seth Rogen loses his mind and is stuck indefinitely in the Twilight Zone. Turned out that a writer, would you say, do you think Sophie lost her mind? That she just became so obsessed and that she lost her That's another thing up for interpretation. At the end of this story, was she just pulled into the Twilight Zone because she was obsessing over it? Did she lose her mind because she was obsessed? I don't think she lost her mind. I think she fully understand, like, started to understand what you can, what television can be and what those original episodes were. And that is her... I don't know. This is where the the ending is confusing to me. It's really interesting. There's a lot to pick apart. I'll say this too. I after watching this episode, and this has taken me more than 24 hours to come to this decision where I liked it. I I thought it was really disappointing and really confusing. I and I love ambi- more sure. than anything in, in in entertainment. I love ambitious stuff, even if it doesn't land. Because I'm like, wow, they took a risk on it. And there are movies that are really ambitious that are ultimately not great but Mm -hmm. i stand by those because of those decisions and this is one that falls into that where i was like they took a risk and i don't think it pays off but i like that they did it and the more i thought about it and the more we talked about it today i really love this episode there's definitely it it takes a huge risk and 
I feel like there's a lot that's at work here. It, like I said, it just feels like a natural Jordan Peele production for that reason. But think of how how much of a payoff, how awesome this payoff would have been if all of these episodes were amazing. Yeah, that's the thing, though. This could have been elevated even higher if sure. all these episodes. Were that's awesome. a that's a very good point. Because at the end of this, I would say this was for sure ambiguous in terms of. That's ambiguous in a way, and then also like. Not because like it's very obvious. Yet there's a layer to it that I just I still I need to rewatch that you're th- you're left thinking about, and I think we will be left thinking about for quite some time. That's good though. Yeah, and that's where and for myself I didn't necessarily find it confusing, but it left me really contemplating a lot of the true meanings. The other prediction, final prediction. This will connect all episodes through Easter eggs we've seen, such as ten fifteen, which. I do have a prediction for how I think 1015 has worked in. I won't get into that now. No, I want to hear it. Got it, got it. You've pitched it to a friend of ours. He knows what it is. I don't know what it yeah, is. He, he I wants to know. He wasn't a big fan, but we'll cover that here in just a few minutes. YouTube moment. This is something that years down the road we'll be talking about forever. Pretty obvious. It's yeah. the Sterling reveal. Yeah. I, it can't be anything else other it's, than that. It's, it's, we're going back to the Wizard of Oz it's reverse Wizard of Oz. We go from black and white to color. In this case, color to black and white. Woo. And then Sterling walks out. Sterling, baby. Overall great. Blurry man. Because of the ambition, because of the payoff, I'm slapping this with an A-. minus. I'm going with the straight A. I'm finally doing it. After following- I don't know how you didn't give Blue Scorpion an A. That one rules. Blue Scorpion was a great episode- I think this episode is... You think... It it shows the... Not just the ambition, but it shows what the Twilight Zone can be under Peel's direction. Man, I want to rank, because I want to know what your number one is. Lastly, before we get into ranking the episodes, let's cover some Easter eggs. Let's start with tie-ins to the new Twilight Zone. First, Whipple is noted at the bottom of the TV screen where Zazie, she's running through the streets and she's looking at the static on the TV and she's like, what are you trying to show me, Blurry Man? And then we see Whipple at the bottom. Small, small and subtle nod there. Second, as I mentioned, she noticed that in the streets. Sophie is running through the sets of a lot of the former episodes that we saw in this first season, including Not All Men. We see her walk through... This office setting where it says Newbury, that's from Not All Men. The grocery store where the main character is in for a point of origin. We also go through the bar that is featured in Wonderkin and possibly Comedian. It looks very similar. It was the Comedian. And there's also, That's what I thought it was. I didn't even think of it. It's uh, Wonderkin. Wonderkin, the, okay. The, the, one, the one thing, the reason why is because of the TV. It looks like this vintage 50s TV that's in the corner. And also, for some reason, the neon sign that said beer on tap, for some reason that stood out. And that was over by the jukebox. And that's the jukebox I that... I the jukebox was in The Comedian. Mm-mm. Okay. Not... Because in Wonderkin, that's where Peel, he chooses a song and then he's at the jukebox and walks off to the side. Yes. Because there are portraits uh-huh. of... Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're presidents, but they're portraits on the wall. That makes sense for that episode, too. Mm-hmm. And also, speaking of Wonderkin, we also see a stack of the books off to the side as she walks through the room. Now, I do think they used the same set for the Wonderkin, the bar, that is, in The Comedian as Eddie's, where we see 
Tracy Morgan and Camille sitting there and talking. I'm pretty sure it, it looks like it's the same structure. We also noted Blurry Man, the man in the suit, or you said Suit Man, should basically be called, linked to all the episodes. I went back to pick out where it happened. And let's start with episode one. This is when Camille is walking outside of Eddie's club, the comedy club. We see over to the right as Camille's, he's facing toward the camera, facing away from the camera behind Camille is this man in a suit and he's just walking off. He's walking out. It appears that he's walking out of Eddie's. In Nightmare, he, Blurry Man appears near the store rack where we have uh, Adam Scott talking to the fictional character. And that's where we see the rack of the Wonderkind, uh, what else, Camille, and then it's Adam's magazine. It's at that moment where we see the Blurry Man off to the left. For replay, this is where I first noticed him. It was at the end of the episode. We get a pan of all the kids standing outside of the college, and we get this vintage Serling. He's holding up his left arm, and there's a cigarette. And it looks like how Serling would hold up a cigarette to smoke. And that's the Blurry Man in Episode 3 replay. For a Traveler, Episode 4... Blurry Man appears in the background of the group. They're all gathering there and celebrating Christmas. And in the very back, over by the TV, basically the karaoke machine, we see someone in a suit. In the fifth episode, Wonderkind, Blurry Man appears in the campaign room. Episode six, Six Degrees of Freedom. He appears in the graduation picture. He's in the top right corner of everyone that's on the spaceship. So technically, he's like the other member who's supposed to be with them. Episode 7, Not All Men, he appears among the looters. You will miss him because he, it goes by very quickly. Episode 8 of Point of Origin, Blurry Man actually bumps into Eve in the grocery store. We see that as she's standing there paying for the groceries and her card's not working. For Blue Scorpion, Blurry Man walks past Chris O'Dowd's character, while he's on the college campus. And of course... Well, that was episode nine. Yeah. The, and then for this episode, Blurry Man's everywhere. We can't get away from him. Are you ready for my connection for 1015? You haven't named one Easter egg that I noticed. What's that? This is, oh. This is a huge one. Yeah. I don't know if you... No, I don't... We haven't talked about this. I don't think you know what I'm okay. going to say. Uh, near the end of the episode... She's been stalked by this Blurry Man figure the entire episode. Mm -hmm. And the figure comes into focus, and it turns out to be this man named Rod Serling. Ooh. What you might not know is Rod Serling created the Twilight Zone, the show that we're watching, way back in like the 60s. That Fun is. Fun Easter egg not a lot of people are going to know. So are we in the multiverse now? I don't know. I, was, I don't think a lot of people understood really what that meant. Oh. <laughs> So I don't think we're going to really expand on this idea, but <laughs> this, we'll so it'll, be, for you. it'll be the last time we actually get into that. It's, they're done with it. All right. Hit me with this theory. 1015, baby. Is this the true meaning? I want to ask you because for season one, we have 10 episodes. That's where we get the 10. 15 comes from the total number of characters leading up to Sophie. Let me explain. The comedian... In the intro and the outro, we have one character. It's Camille, Nightmare, Adam Scott's character. Replay, we end up having the mother, a traveler. It is uh, Lieutenant, I believe. 
then for the Wonderkin, we have two characters. We're focusing on the kid, Jacob Tremblay, and then we also focus on his campaign manager. Six degrees, we have five characters aboard the ship. Not all men, one character. And then point of origin, one character. Blue Scorpion, one character. Bringing our total for Blurry Man, one character of 15. 10 episodes, 15 main characters. This is where we are transported into the Twilight Zone. Is this possibly the meaning of 1015? That's the best I could do to try to pull this up. I did not find the number anywhere in this episode. I didn't either. What do you think? Hot uh, Does it rule or suck? It's somewhere in between. It's like oh. it's kind of like a who cares. <laughs> it's kind of like, is this what you did with your night? Yes, for five hours. <laughs> so I, that, in that regard, I think it's really impressive. Yes. I, I actually, as soon as this ended, I thought, you know, it's got to be so 10, maybe it refers to the number of episodes and 15, I don't know, characters. We'll it can be run. I wonder if we will ever know. I think we will. And in season two, are we going to get a different number? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder if it's going to be 20. That should be one of our predictions for next season. Because if we see 10, 15 all through next season and you add it up and it's different, then you know that this is not the case. That's a good point. Unless we, would you like to see Sophie or Zazie reappear again? And we no, like I want see. A, I want a fresh start. So all new. Yes. That's what the, every I'm episode in. should be. The, that I guess that is maybe another complaint is we broke this wall and now Sophie and I mean that I don't know it's 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 set in the real world yet it's in the twilight zone so now we're blending like reality and fiction well I'm glad you bring that up because that's a good transition into nods to the older twilight zone episodes in the episode I mentioned in the last podcast episode a world of his own this is from the OG twilight zone season one episode 36 it features Rod Serling as a character. He's introduced from, once again, a writer. And Rod basically is delivering his outro. And then the writer actually references Rod. And he, he says something to the nature of, get out of here, Rod. The writer then writes out Rod Serling. And then Rod more or less says, well, that's just the way things are. And then he disappears. So Rod is referenced as the narrator and then as Rod Serling himself from this writer. So it's almost like this meta where the writer's taking control, very, very similar to what Sophie does and Blurry Man in a ways. Then the other nod, this is a huge one. Time Enough at Last from season one. It's everywhere in this episode. We see one of the signs that Sophie runs by, it says Smith's Grocery. That's from Time Enough at Last. That actual sign, same sign, is in that episode. Also, the library steps, it's aligned with book names. And then we see glasses on those steps, and it's the broken glasses that happens at the end of Time Enough at Last. And she's actually watching that episode as a kid. Yes. The other thing, final Easter egg. We see Rod Serling. So it's almost a foreshadow where the Apple logo is supposed to be on her computer. We see Serling's face, and that's like five minutes in as she's writing up the intro. She's revising it. Mm -hmm. That was fun. That's it. That's all I got. Now we're to the part, your favorite part, of Go. ranking the new Twilight Zone episodes. Are you ready? You've got I'm, your list. I'm ready to go. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Oh, that's what, how about we just alternate? 
Alternate. Is that going to be too confusing? No. I'll start with my number 10. Number 10. It's going to be Not All Men. Yeah, it's uh, like I said last week, this is the bedrock of Twilight Zone <laughs> season one, Not All Men. You the and worst I, episode. You and I are definitely sitting around the same. Mine is Point of Origin. It's yeah. funny because you you thought Not All Men was a stinker. I thought Point of Origin. But it's just they're like... They're both stinkers. They're stinkers because they had what's f- so frustrating. They had great nuggets of inspiration failed to deliver I'll say not only did I rank, I also put these in tiers. So my number nine is Point of Origin. This is okay. the tier that is real bad. <laughs> I like that. I, I really like that because that I would definitely agree. Number nine for me is Not All Men. Let's get into the okay tier for me. This is number eight. It's Replay. Ooh. Mine's One Comedian. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah. You and I are just alternating because number seven, my final episode in the okay tier, it's The Comedian. The one that we said would never get out of last place is bumped up all the way to seven. Wow. It's weird, too, because Replay, people were calling that a classic Twilight Zone. Yeah. Which I think when we look back, I don't know. That's going to be interesting. I I don't think that will be the case. I really don't. It's okay. Yeah. For me, The Wonderkind, number seven. Wow. Yeah. It's, It's okay. Final tier for me, this is good to great. Okay. Number six, Six Degrees of Freedom, which at one point was number one on my list. Jeez. Well, me too. And that was, I think, that was episode six. Mm -hmm. So that was six episodes in. It was number one and it fell all the way to sixth place for me. Number six for me is Replay. Okay. We're we're still around the same. I'd say this is still, I'd say it's okay to good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's around that. Number five, A Traveler. Oh, wow. This is when we're basically getting into, I really like, I really like six on. Mm-hmm. So don't, just because it's at six or five doesn't mean anything. Sure. I like this episode. Mine's Nightmare. Wow. Number five, yeah. The thing about A Traveler, not to go backwards, I just think the ending that of maybe any of these, it's, it's the most rushed feeling. Where it's great yeah. up and then it wraps up in 25 seconds and you're kind of like, what? I feel like there's another one that feels rushed, but it's not yeah, coming to I'm mind right away. So this is the good to great tier. Okay. I'm going to do a tier within a tier. This is from now and we're doing great. Okay. So number four, The Wonderkind. Love okay. this one. The ending for I that. I stand by this one. The ending rules. I, I stand by that episode. The ending is classic, vintage Twilight it, Zone. It is perhaps... The most vintage mm-hmm. uh, ending of this entire series, besides maybe one other that we're going to get to. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, John Cho is in this, and he rules. John C., baby. So number four for you? Number four, A Traveler. Okay. See, we're just you and I are just basically alternating. It's pretty close, yeah. Uh, number three, and this is one I struggled with. This is a hard one. But it's Nightmare. It is Blurry Man. Whoa. This was, Blurry Man was hovering in the three to five spot. Okay. I think ultimately the ambition helps me uh, raise it to the third spot. Mm-hmm. So a, an episode I liked a lot. Number three for me, Six Degrees of Freedom. Wow. I'm, I'm in my Glenn Morgan phase right now. I mean, I love Glenn Morgan. Don't get me wrong. Uh, number two. Let's go back to the beginning, baby. Nightmare at 30,000 feet. Ooh. I feel, you know, it's funny looking back. Well, Nightmare is number five for me. But I li- it's still, I mean, it's still I liked good. An episode it's, from the beginning of the season, 
was able to to be in the top three. It's good. I'll say that I like Nightmare, but looking back, I'm more excited for the originals. So that's why, like Nightmare, is still I feel like really good. It's a lot of fun. Number two. Blue Scorpion. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know. I know what your number. So my number one is Blue Scorpion. Yeah. I just don't think it gets better. Here, I love that one. After the, after thinking about this, Blue Scorpion is all around, I would say, a great episode. That's just so good. But Blurry Man has been on my mind more than any of the other episodes. And for so many different reasons, I can't stop thinking about it. I will say I've only seen all of these episodes one time. Mm -hmm. And as we know, with something like Six Degrees of Freedom, give me time and it will probably fall or rise. Okay. So by the time season two rolls around, we should do a fresh Mm re-ranking. And we'll see what sticks. Because I have a feeling Blurry Man will fall for you. And I'm wondering if Nightmare will fall for me. Yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun to... Re-examine I mean, I, and reapproach that. I'm not re-watching Point of Origin, Not no. All Men, or probably replay again. I have no desire, and I, I just can't. I'm not going to waste my time is what I, it comes down to. I rewatched, as I told you for our last episode, I rewatched Point of Origin because I forgot everything about it. I won't return to that ever. It was awful. It's sad that I'm, I'm saying that, but uh, just how I feel. I'd rather watch all 11 seasons of The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> rather than returning to Point of Origin or Not All Men. Rather than return to a 40-minute episode of The Twilight Zone. So that's where our rankings stand. We'll post this on Twitter and Instagram so that you know. And also to open up the question on how you would rank the new Twilight Zone episodes. We want to hear. So hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Let's get into the predictions for next season. I've got two. Next season, it will be more like this season finale. It'll be more meta. It'll be more of like Jordan Peele. I don't want meta. I honestly think that, maybe not all episodes, but I should clarify that it will be a lot like us and get out where it's multi-layered, multi-dimensional, and it'll be more complex. I don't think Jordan Peele is going to be a main character. I also think they will, um, it'll be a reflection maybe on season one of what didn't work. And it might be addressed in some way or another. I'd be happy if Glenn Morgan did most of the episodes. Oh, that'd be a good prediction. If Glenn yeah. Morgan took over half of the episodes as writer. I, I mean, at one point we were saying give him the show, but after watching Blurry Man and Peel's involvement that we believe, because he was he had to have had a yep. lot of involvement on this one. This is the most Peel one, and it's like, oh, this is what I've wanted from mm-hmm. the Jordan Peel show. What's number two? Number two. We'll get more Whipple and likely a Whipple-centric episode, possibly the season two premiere. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's going to be Whipple news. It'll be something mm. political, maybe. We kind of already got that. I, well, in also Six Degrees of Freedom, Whipple was everywhere. But I wonder if we'll end up having the brain center at Whipple's the from the original Twilight Zone series. If they'll end up doing something like that where we see where all of this Whipple is coming from. I have one prediction. What's that? I think season two episodes will be more sci-fi driven. We'll have less stuff set in the real world that okay. we know it. And we'll start embracing aliens maybe a little bit. So more like a traveler? Uh, I would say let's go a little further. 
we'll have more stuff set in space. Oh. We'll have more stuff with monsters or aliens. It'll be a little more X-Files-ish while having something to say. I think there will be less. I think we'll still have Easter eggs to the original, but I think we will have less actual episodes that tie to original Tri-Zone episodes. I think we'll start maybe even having uh, Easter eggs of this past season. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking more sci-fi, more monsters, more X-Files. Um, we'll still have social meaning in these stories, but I think that'll be lowered a little bit. We'll have more of a, a blue scorpion where it's let's not offend somebody. That's my prediction. You think we've seen the last of Unca- Uncanny Valley Rod Serling? I hope so. I think we That's have. like a one and done thing, and if you yep. do it again, it's not going to be a special. I, I, I think that's the case. I also think it's the last time we've seen the meta Jordan Peele, but not the last time we'll end up going meta for like a character, like basically writing his or her, her own story or getting involved in their story somehow, whatever that may be. Any other predictions? No, I want to hear your pitch to CBS. Okay. At the beginning of the year, I sat down and knowing that Twilight Zone was going to come out, I was a little bored and I had not written anything for a while. So I started typing up some ideas and had actually co-written a Twilight Zone script. And it fits within 24 minutes because I feel like whenever I think of Twilight Zone... I think of the the 24-minute standard. Blurry Man and Blue Scorpion reminded me a lot of that. And it's not, the story's nothing like that. But all I have to ask is, what's something that you couldn't live without? Pick anything. It could be sight, sound, the necessities of life. What happens if you end up flipping that upside down to where you then want to escape it? And it's something that almost becomes a burden, something that you fear or you're being terrorized by. Now, if you take that and more or less, you are slowly tortured by living through having to use this of what you once needed, but you can't escape it. And this is an original story that I was not planning on writing as a Twilight Zone. This really works. My pitch is to CBS, I'd love to throw this your way. They probably won't ever hear this, (laughs) ever. But it would it would be one of those things, like I said, like Sophie in this story, my dream has been for one just to write an episode or be involved somehow for the Twilight Zone. That's it. I only have one request. What's that? I want to help you. Would you? Would, would you be involved in the Twilight Zone to you know, some degree? I thought it'd be funny at one point because we've been critiquing this the entire time and we were like coming up with endings that we think are better. And I was like, what if CBS heard this and they said... You guys write something for us. I'd be 100%. And I, would, I got the brain going. I Because so have you come up with a few ideas? Yes. I am 100%. That in. would be something fun to do. We could post that online and see what you think. Would you curious right now if there was kind of like a fan fiction style episode where we made it on your own, our own, would you be in for that? For sure. Okay. Maybe we'll job, make baby. something because that, that would be a lot of fun. I just, I love the Twilight Zone. And as you, if you listen to our first episode, you heard why we got into this. And that's why at times it was frustrating for the season. But I think it ended in the best way that it could. You want to do overall season grade real quick? Yes. To what stream you, it or to you, skip it? Um, overall grade. Wow, this is tough. You want me to, I'll do mine. 
Do you have it locked in? Locked in, baby. What is that? C+. Because if I'm looking at this, six of the ten I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. There was two that were okay and two that I hated. That's that's 60. I'm going to give it a C+. Plus. I'm right around there. My first thought was a B-. minus. That seems too high somehow. It does. It, it really does because a lot of these episodes, some of the episodes soared, but... I mean, I'm going to say this. There are a lot of good. I typed up my notes today for, for Blurry Man, and I I knew we were going to record in a couple hours, and I immediately canceled CBS All Access. It's I mean, gone. I'm going to. I mean, I have it for another like two weeks because it just happened to be around that time where it was renewed like two oh. days ago. Jeez. But um, yeah, I have no desire to keep this service. And you know, when uh, season two rolls around, uh, we'll, we'll get it again, obviously. But it was just not enough for me to invest in it. So I say if you're interested, you got time, do the one-week trial, cram these episodes in, and uh, just know that if you don't like an episode, skip to the next one because it might be a good one. Yeah, 100% agree with that. I and We'll rank these and we'll put them online if you yeah. care. If you're listening, you've already watched this, so it doesn't matter. I'm going to stick with the B-. minus. When it's I'm good, thinking, it's good. That's it. That's and, the problem. And when maybe, it's bad, it's really bad. When, when we were in Point of Origin and Not All Men, man, I was like at the D level. And that was really bringing down the overall overall grade. I mean, just think at one point we were talking about this show and actually saying we didn't want, like I didn't even want to watch another one because it, it, it had gotten so bad for me. I think with the last two episodes, sprinkled in with a few other good stories and, 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 sp- and that thing is even the bad episodes there was good inspiration, but it just wasn't enough to watch those episodes, I would say. I'll say stick with a B minus. I would say stream it. Would you say stream it or skip it? You would say stream it, but I would, yeah, I would ultimately say stream it. Even it just know it's uh, it's not all good. But we we have a friend that liked every episode. Yeah, and that's something that you know. So he, you might be that person. He he was an original Twilight Zone fan. I will say stream it, like you cram it all in during the free trial. Here's what I would say of those episodes: I would skip Point of Origin, Not All Men, and the rest I'd watch. Um, a few are going to be very on the nose. You end up having replay that way. The Wonderkind. I think that's pretty much it for being very No, not all men was pretty heavy-handed. Well, those, but that's what I'm saying, skip it, because oh, Point, okay. of, point of Origin and Not All Men were very on the nose. But, but The Wonderkind is heavy-handed, but it, it's a good one. Yeah, I think that's enough of a You and original. I liked it. A yeah. lot of other people did not. True. And I don't know. I, I guess that's it's... It's entertaining. You either like it or you don't. True. So it ultimately doesn't matter. But uh, I would say stream. It's a very light stream. And that's it. It's anthology. If you don't like one episode, you're able to skip, skip to the next. It's a yeah. light stream like my my grand my grandpa's urine. Well, next up on Quality Check, we are going to cover Brightburn and Ma. We're Ooh. returning to movies, baby. We're back. We're, we're back on movies, and we're doing it. A- couple spooky thrillers we're being led out of the fifth dimension not further into it but out of it we're not like zazi we're not going deeper nope. inside we're we're going to take a little break we're like seth rogan we're, we're getting out for a little bit and we'll see you next april you think that they'll finish in a year i could see them yeah. i'd say april 2020 is a good bet unless they pull a, an atlanta and they take like two years or a year and a half something weird like that 
or Game of Thrones. They ended up taking like full two years. Film fans and television fans, that's going to do it for the final Twilight Zone episode of this season. Thank you for listening. Don't forget that you can rate us and subscribe to us so that you know when a new episode of Quality Check drops in your podcast player. So in addition to Brightburn and Ma, we've got June Pickums, where we'll talk about our top three most anticipated things coming out in the month of June. You can follow us on Twitter at Quality Check Pod, Instagram, Quality Check Podcast, or shoot us those burning questions to Quality Check Podcast at gmail.com. Even when Blurry Man is throwing bottles of liquor and books at Quality Check, we're part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA.